Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 506 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Uh, so follow-ups from last week, neither Lamborghini or Gail Simone replied to my tweets. Mm, I think Gail can't say, and Lamborghini doesn't want to say. <laughs> I should double-check to see if either one of them have blocked me because of Ooh. my remarks. That is true. Which does happen from time to time. Oh, speaking of that, did you hear in this crazy, you know, like world, it's getting better um, because the Lego store finally opened up and it was a big success. I heard people were lined up for blocks, Joe. Nope. (laughs) Yes. That's a good one. I'm not blocked by either, it would seem. Okay, good. I I don't want to say that uh, the Lamborghini account may just be strictly promotional and does not interact with people, but it appears to be strictly (laughs) promotional and does not interact with people. Correct. So at least I got that going for me. Right, right. I'm glad. I was worried. But uh, would you like to know what we have on the show today, Joe? Hey, Todd, has anything happened uh, noteworthy in the world of comic books? So noteworthy, so no, so noteworthy, in fact, that I had non-comic book people contact me and say, oh boy, there's some crazy news, huh? Pretty much. Um, some slight news about the distribution of comics and how some people feel about it. Mm-hmm. Also, canceled promotions and maybe actors, too. Uh, a free comic book update. And a return of a fan favorite segment, Joe. I bet everyone can guess what that is. Also, Joe will let me slash us know if there's any con news. Uh, Free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was the Catwoman 80th anniversary. What we're looking forward to this week. I believe I even have some Todd's art attacks. And then at the end, spoiler-filled talk of the next episode of Stargirl and the season finale of Legends of Tomorrow. Spectacular show, I believe we're going to have. All in all, a jam-packed episode, I would say. Mm -hmm. I think it's more of a preserve-packed episode myself. No? Yes? You're trying today, man. I'm winning today is what I'm doing. (laughs) I hope your writers are getting a bonus whether you use these lines or not. I'm getting paid in bagels and giving them to your wife, Joe. There you go. So I would say the big news in a series and time of all sorts of big news, Mm -hmm. uh, Friday afternoon, DC officially quit using Diamond as their exclusive distributor. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has anything to do with, you know, burying it, releasing it on a weekend. I doubt it, though, Joe. I doubt it. What do you you mean business? Most businesses that are even open today usually half day it on Friday if they're open at all. So to (laughs) release that at 1159 Eastern time when they're a West Coast company definitely uh, wasn't something of like thieves in the night trying to get out of town. But I kid, I kid. 
Um, this is something I think that was in the back of a lot of people's minds when DC was the first to react with Diamond going through their shutdown at the end of March, beginning of April, going through two new distribution chains, UCS and Lunar, uh, DCBS and Midtown Comics, respectively. Um, and then, of course, you know, as things are coming back and Diamond has their whole back the comeback and our return will be stronger than our overpriced shirts or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, this could be the first of many dominoes to fall, or this could be one single drop in a bucket and the rest of the comic book industry moves on. Right. Or it could all revert back to business as usual from a couple of months ago. You know, it might not work, and they go they go crawling back to diamond. There's that's the three possibilities to me. Um, so crawling back to diamond, does diamond take them back? Does diamond like money? Diamond does like money, but does diamond like sticking it to you when you stuck it to them? Um, I would say you have to do the the uh you know bite your lip to the amount of money equation you're gonna make and if they could once again get the monopoly on one of the big two yes they would easily take them back they might mess around with them like the rumors that the way they messed around with them when they left you know what i mean um because like i heard a few, you know that they that they that orders were messed up and there was damages blah 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 so maybe you know uh jeppy has uh has a, you know, he's a bit of a revenge guy. So I don't know, maybe you're right, but I think, you know, money trumps all, you know? Right. So DC is the number two uh, publisher, but by a large margin separating them and Marvel, right? Right. But then there's a large margin that separates DC <laughs> from everybody else. You're thinking of Pee Wee Herman when you say that, but go ahead. <laughs> Um, and this definitely feels like something that DC has been planning since the shutdown of Diamond back at the end of March, beginning of April. And, you know, we make the joke that they announced this on a Friday afternoon and then got out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. But it certainly seems as though, um, you know, there's a lot of rumor and speculation. We don't deal in rumor and speculation. We try to deal in as much facts as we possibly can uh, regarding this. Right. But if the rumors end up being true, I don't see DC going back to Diamond. Um, I see some sort of mix between what they're currently doing with UCS and Lunar and Diamond as well. Right, but I see if somebody did that, why would you go through Lunar... And the other one, if you're going to get a bigger discount because you buy more books from Diamond. But are you? You would because the whole, I mean, unless they change it, because like you said, there, you know, there might be some revenge. The more you buy, the bigger your bill, the bigger the discount you get. So DC would up that, that, that chunk. That's one of the problems that a lot of retailers have with them leaving diamond is that's going to hurt their bottom line in uh, their discounts are going to, going to like get slimmer. 
and the margin for profit on the on the books. Like that is one of the legitimate gripes that that I get. But if you're if you have a choice to get your insurance from you know your auto insurance over here and your homeowner's insurance over there, or save ten percent by bundling them from the same company, that's what you're going to do. Like no businessman isn't going to do that. So we'd have to see if Diamond would have a bit of a, a bug and not not give them the the discount but i think they would like you know business as usual right so i guess dc did put out a, a q a about this in regards to how this would be handled uh west coast folks would do lunar uh east coast would you do usc um obviously usc midtown comics lunar uh is dcbs which is based out of fort Wayne, indiana and then it says uh now this is the weird part where it says retailers outside of north america please choose from any of the three distributors so i guess does that mean if you're outside of the u.s you could still order dc stuff from diamond anyway i that i don't know i don't know i'm with you and then obviously you mentioned uh, one of the things that is addressed is how does this impact my discount structure? And DC has said your current discount plateau will remain the same. Uh, this discount structure is based on the volume of our product you purchase. Right. But then your discount, obviously that's the only thing DC cares about, but your product of the Marvel and everything else at diamond gets smaller. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's more of what I'm, that's more of what I'm talking about. I didn't express myself well enough. No, no. So I, I was mentioning that for clarity, of course. Okay. But. Uh, now, the other thing, of course, that DC is allowing with you getting their books from them is if you want to get them and sell them on a Tuesday, you can. Get a day yep. jump on everyone else. I mean, that's that's kind of big, you know, because obviously more shelves, you know, more shelf life. It's yep. out there to see um, people come in on a Tuesday. So there's no Marvel books. Hey, there's there's five brand new DC books I can buy, you know, and there's no Marvel to buy. Uh, I, I'm actually I would not be surprised if things move up from Diamond to do the same thing eventually with the Marvel books at least. But uh, then that makes it tougher on retailers because then they need to get the books on Monday so they can put them out for Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like, and it just keeps pushing things back a day until we're getting books on Friday, I guess, and have them delivered on on Wednesday till we come back around to Wednesday being new comic book day. That's like it seems like the the direction we're heading. Right, and obviously, you know, during all of this, and it's a lot for us to keep up. You know. Um... With all the news that has come out over these last, you know, two months, but I know there were a bunch of publishers that said that they are not going to go through Diamond. They're going to self-publish themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Archie kind of had their own things set up. They never stopped, you know, and Archie doesn't put out a ton of books a month, you know, I think maybe 10 at most a month, but they do a lot of direct market sales, you know, newsstand and that sort of thing. So one would wonder if based on the success of the DC through these two new channels is DC as an intermediary are these channels or are these other publishers that did decide that they're going away from diamond themselves? Are they going now maybe go through these other channels because, you know, DCBS is a mail order comic company. Uh, Midtown comics is a mail order comic company. In addition to having, you know, there are many, re- I think they have a couple retail stores in New York, right? Three that I know of, definitely. Right. 
Or so, at least two, but anyway. Right, and we've talked before that, you know, Midtown Comics handled the subscription end of Marvel. If you, you know, do a print subscription through a Marvel book, it's fulfilled by Midtown Comics. And DCBS, you know, you could essentially order from them through their website anything that's in the previous catalog, for the most part, right? Right. A lot of your toys and other junk and assorted items you have to buy in bulk as though you're a store. But that leads me to believe if they're already selling Archie books or whatever else, Alterna Press, whomever went away from Diamond, what's to say? It's like, yeah, if you guys want us to distribute for you, you know, you could kind of piggyback on what we're doing at DC. Right. Are they going to pick up some of these other smaller publishers? That's one that I I honestly can't say. My crystal ball is broken on that one. I I'm literally 50-50 on that one way or the other. Like, I don't know. Right. As mentioned, we don't deal in rumor and innuendo here, but we do certainly deal in speculation on the mm-hmm. show. And that's right. really all we could do at this point. Um, because in practice, I, I assume that this worked, but many stores were not opened. Um, they were not, they being um, uh, the two new companies the, that DC is un, using, I'm sorry, Lunar and UCS, UCS um, they were shipping like a third of whatever DC's product was. Like, mm-hmm. we know what this is going to look like in June at least because they've kind of like laid out what their plan is, that they're taking the last week of June off to kind of allow everyone to get caught back up. July is a uh, month. And <laughs> then, you know, August is their first month that they're going to be doing like a full DC order. How's right. that going to go? Yeah, that'll be the, you know, the, that'll be shaking all the rust out of that, you know, I, so hopefully it works fine because, you know, our retailers said, you know, that there's a lot of retailers who weren't happy because of the way it happened and when it went down, you know, during all this and a lot of businesses are, are scratching to, to get by, but he was like, you know what, I've had three orders from them. Granted, there weren't full orders, but there was no damages. Everything runs smoothly. They were easy to sign up for. Um, and I believe our retailer, because our retailer does it smartly, he, the way he orders all the stuff, I could, we can always say that about them. So I think, you know, th- these new distributors doing what they did right out of the gate and, and having no real mess ups, it should be, it hopefully will be good. And then you mentioned about uh, retailers or, you know, uh, different retailers being okay with things, not okay with things. I would say the most vocal uh, not okay with <laughs> this would be Mile High Comics right. out of the Midwest, uh, Colorado area. Big box one like Midtown Comics themselves. Uh, they are uh, abashedly having a DC Sucks sale. Mm-hmm. Where if you buy any back issues from their... Uh, site and use the promo code DC sucks. Hmm. Um, and it says, uh, you know, if you say, I make no apologies for the forthrightness of my code word choice. I am rightfully and truly upset. Um, this applies to all the back issues and so on and so forth. And the guy over at Midtown Com- or Midtown comics, mile high comics, Chuck Rosansky is very upset about this. And I could see retailers being upset about it. And I could see people in the business being upset about it. I could see retailers being okay with it. And I could see people in the business being okay with it. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but we don't know how it's all going to work. And the only way that things change is by making changes. Right. You know, Diamond has had a monopoly on this for the better part of the last 25 years. Now, if this was Marvel making a move like this, especially Marvel backed by Disney, you know, with their full force and market share behind it, I think Diamond and the retailers might be singing a different tune, Jack. Uh, But AT&T, Time Warner behind DC, they're not as big as Disney. Pretty big, not as big as Disney. Are you sure? I always thought it went like Apple, AT&T, then Disney. I think it's Disney combined with the market share. Uh, I don't know. I just, that's just my opinion. But I, I remember talking with somebody, but I'm looking that up now. Right. You look that up, but it'll be interesting to see how things are going to go. For people like myself and Todd, there's not going to be much change. You know, mm-hmm. we're still going to get our books when we get our books. I'm just happy books are back, you know. Right, I am too, and uh, like I said, I see I see some problems, uh, you know, that could happen and apply, but I also see better things. So it's 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 all crazy, you know what I mean. So like, we just hope that I can get my books, and that's and my local retailer can sell his stuff, and everything will be good. I can't really find anything on whether AT&T is big. There's a lot of uh, like Forbes financial stuff and it's way over my head. So same here. So moving on to other things being canceled, delayed or otherwise enough about DC. Now I did not know that they were going to be doing this um, in conjunction with their big empire crossover. Uh, Marvel did dump a couple of the one-shots and mini-series as is. is. Uh, There was a Squadron Supreme one that I haven't seen pop back up yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess a lot of the stuff that was going to have those single issues might just get collected into, like, one big thing. Uh, But, as Marvel always does with their promotions, they do, like, a whole push behind it. Here's a bunch of extras. Here's a bunch of lithographs. Here's a bunch of retailer covers. But the one thing that I didn't know that they were doing, and I'm glad that they got canceled, <laughs> is they were doing pins. You know how I feel about pins, Todd. Right. I know you love them beyond anything, even more than stickers. Um, I, I, I'm thinking they are more of the button variety of pins, as Marvel has put out like when they relaunched Fantastic Four and they had some other stuff. But either way, they've canceled them. And I think, you know... Empire's getting, like you said, the short shrift now because, they, you know, w- with everything that's happening, I- I'm sad anytime a button or a pin is gone, but I'll say it and I'll say it again. I want to know where my Infinity Gems are all the way back from Secret Wars. Give give them, what book are we going to get them with? Who scrapped it? I want names, Joe, and just give them to me. So that's the only They're thing in, I can- You know, someone has them in, in their desk drawer. You know that, right? Yes, like there's like a set. I wonder if like they found out they were too expensive or something. Like somebody moved a decimal point in the wrong place when the paperwork came in. It's like, oh, these will be, you know, uh, five cents a piece. Oh, wait, they're $5 a piece. We're not doing this. 
maybe the initial print or print run the, the original run of them were like made of some sort of toxic chemicals or something <laughs> the only way that we could get the gems to look exactly like they look in the movies and have that lumen luminescent thing is to have them filled with arsenic i'm sorry it's the only way that's right. I don't know. If maybe we cut on the arsenic and up the plutonium, we can make them glow. Okay. All right. I like where your I like where your heads is at, uh, Jenkins. Let's uh, go with that. Okay. More plutonium, please. Where's the guy with the John Amos, John Stamos uh, spinoff show? Was <laughs> that this right. show or was that After Dark? I forget. I think it was in between there. Okay. Uh, but one thing that did not get canceled or did get canceled because the world was canceled but is now back on track is no official date has been announced for the comic industry-wide free comic book day. I think Diamond has bigger fish to worry about. Mm -hmm. But Marvel has decided that their two big gold titles, uh, one tying into their big X-Universe stuff, the other tying into their Spider-Man and Venom stuff, are being released as free books in July. Mm -hmm. So that's good to see. Um, I could only think or feel that those books needed to come out to mm -hmm. coincide with whatever storylines were happening in the main titles. I do believe those stories were time sensitive. Yes, that's what's definitely happening. time sensitive. And with the entire comic industry being shifted by about two months, that's, uh, you know, we're like, okay, let's, we, we still need to get these books out, you know? We'll, yep. we'll we'll eat the cost on this one, I guess. I don't know, but but the cost is still is still you know what I mean. It's whether you're giving them away on Free Comic Book Day or you're giving them away in July, they're they're still giving them away. Yeah. So, uh, I guess I mean I I think it works because like you said, you can't have the the a book come out and then like a month later the Free Comic Book or two months later, three months later, the Free Comic Book Day big reveal comes out. I don't know. Just get them out there, and when they do get around to new free comic book day around Halloween, uh, print something new up. Get a reprint and just slap it out there, and you're good to go. And that's a lot of times what DC does. A lot of their stuff is usually full of reprints, maybe one world-building thing, but the way DC's world builds, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it builds and then never is seen again. Right. So, uh, speaking of things that are canceled and probably will never be seen again, uh, just over the weekend, uh, and again, I apologize for the pronunciation of his name, Hartley Sawyer, the actor who won our hearts and charmed our pants off, pun intended, on The Flash as Ralph Dibney, the elongated man, has been fired from his role on the show, will not be coming back for season seven, due to a bunch of offensive tweets that he made over the last eight years or so. Mm -hmm. um, he did, of course, issue an apology regarding these things. Um, I make no excuses for him. I assume at the time he was a struggling actor, comedian, something uh, who was attempting to get something shaken in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's certain things that you shake that uh, can't be unshook, no matter how much time has passed. I agree. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's it's just weird. Like you know, 
I, I don't know on all of this. It's above my pay grade, but uh, yeah, when I was actually shocked. And the thing that I think about is what are they going to do when, uh, you know, we still have the three episodes to film of the season six that are carrying over. Do they just like all of a sudden, like, Hey, elongated man's gone on vacation. Like, that really throws a monkey wrench in. There's a lot of logistics that I can't even handle on it. But uh, nope. yeah, I don't see, see him coming back anytime soon. Yep, he's done. He sadly he's not going to be brought back to the show. Um, you know the the things that he said, and you could find the tweets out there again because even if you tweet them years ago and delete the tweets and delete your Twitter account, someone has them. Believe me, I know. Mm-hmm. Someone Speak. has them. Screen caps will get you every time. All right. I got folders on all of y'all. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, you start season seven off with a funeral. Ralph died. Right. And then those three episodes that whatever you were going to do, you can kind of retcon some stuff. Maybe use some old archival footage, even if you want to. Right. Do that. But um, you could even tie it into the show. Of, you know, Ralph made a mistake and this is why he's gone or whatever it is. And even if you want to go even crazier, you know, I know they folded all the universes in on each other, but, you know, that never worked in the comic book. So why should it work on TV? <laughs> you could yep. just have a new, you could just recast him as someone else and just say, I'm the Ralph from Earth 2 that you didn't know about. And just move on. Right. You know who I genuinely feel bad for? The actress who got hired to play Sue Dibney. Yep. Because, like, she's getting the axe just because, probably. Well, her role is going to be distinctly different now, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to fire her because of what he did, you know? Right, but her part is connected to his. I'm not saying that's the reason. I'm just saying get rid of Elongated Man, you get rid of Sue Dibney. Well, that's that's why you can't get rid of him. You have to have the thing where, you know, there's the funeral where you acknowledge that he's gone, you know? Right. So then do you keep Sue Sue around as a character? The only thing I think is just throw, like, continuity from comics to the wind and make her elongated woman. Just go Okay, I'm with that. You know what I mean? Like, and you have uh, that type of character again, and she goes around doing all the stuff and joins the team. Like, help her out. So, you know because of everything that happened. That's the only way I see out of it. I'm sure they'll address it somehow. They've got several months. I don't even think they've announced that they're filming anything yet. No, no, they haven't. I don't know. They need to go to, everyone's filming in Florida, apparently. Well, I hear, you know, every, you can do anything in Florida. It's a lawless nation. Yes. (laughs) It's the wild, wild Southeast. And again, I know we're months away from, you know, new TV shows being on and obviously nothing is being filmed just yet. But what is that going to do for the TV season? You know, TV season usually starts in September. If there's no new shows, what's going to happen? Well, all I know is, you know, there won't be new Walking Dead in in October, probably. So at least there's no uh, New York Comic Con, probably. Uh, to put the, them on the badges again and drive people I know nuts having <laughs> actors on the com- Comic-Con badges. Eh, just that one guy. Right. Eh, it's a couple people. But I always say, give me 1% of that badge money and you can put on there whatever you want. 
maybe well not new york comic con but maybe like a lesser con uh would be okay with having us when they have us out as the guests of honor and they put our logo on the uh lanyards for everyone that's right make tom durenic guest of honor and and the art he did for the lanyards is us Mm -hmm. that'd be great maybe we can get to scranton comic con to do that sometime uh let's aim higher at least for us yeah. No well, uh, instead of a lanyard, they can, we can get a rubber stamp made for the hand. You know what I mean? <sighs> but anyway. So that's almost the end of the news, Todd, because we do have one more thing to discuss. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. And of course. It's the return of the Rob Watch. Now, I know we had a Rob Watch last week because Rob launched a podcast, uh, Robitudes, Robstractions, <laughs> what's it called? I don't know. Rob uh, in your ear holes, I forget. I was going to say robbed for your pleasure. <laughs> robbed, oh my God. <laughs> um, but if you follow Todd on Twitter and are up at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> maybe you were on the cutting edge of this current story. Todd, take it away. That's right. Um, apparently, Big Time Collectibles is doing variant covers for Rob's new project, which is the Snake Eyes Dead Eyes miniseries. Dead game uh, uh, in stores July 15th. Thank you. Right. Well, he's writing and drawing it. So uh, they decided to do some variant covers by Miko. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, why am I having you do this? Because I don't know how to pronounce his name either. Miko Suyan. Suyan. Um, so they put them up on online. They're like, hey, here's the covers and you know the original art. And then all of a sudden, Rob just tweets out, uh, so many great Snake Eyes dead game variants celebrating the epic series I'm launching. I won't be signing any of the big time collectible collectibles variants. Don't submit your witnesses, they'll just get returned. Thanks. So, in other words, don't send them for signature series, they're not gonna happen. So basically, big time collectibles later that day was like, just a head up, heads up to our customers. Writer, interior artist, Mister Rob Liefeld announced today that he will no longer sign or will not sign our Snake Eyes Dead Game exclusive. We are not sure why, but we respect Mister Rob Liefeld for giving our customers the heads up for those that want it, that are wanting a signature. Our cover artist and dear friend Miko uh, made sure all homages were labeled with. After McFarland and or Liefeld, so we're not sure where Mr. Liefeld is not happy about it. All respect for Mr. Liefeld here. So obviously they have, you know, I'm hearing rumors to that, like Rob hates people doing homages to his cover. So we don't know. But then, you know, I looked and the, the, the cover has uh, after McFarland and Liefeld, McFarland's given top credit where on because it's a uh an homage to new mutants 87 and on the original cover liefeld's given top uh creator credit and mcfarland is below him on the lit on the the artist signatures and that's because rob drew it and i guess mcfarland actually inked it so uh miko you know tweets out or facebook's later i was supposed to do more of the Snake Eyes Dead Game variant covers for big-time collectibles, but number two will be my last. I'm so very disappointed by this. I worked hard on these covers. I'm proud of them, 
but deciding to not support it is mind-boggling. But I respect his decision. God bless him. Please support Big Time Collectibles and other reti- retailer variants. I'll gladly sign them. So then um, Miko Facebooks again a little shortly after that. He's like, I got word on what the problem was with the Snake Eyes cover I did. I wasn't aware or know the history of the homage, so I fixed it. Credit where credit is due, right? Forgive my mistakes. And there's a bit where he, he you know, photoshopped it and says, after uh, Kane then Liefeld, then McFarlane, because apparently there's a whole, this is a rib in that, you know, I did not know it. There's an Avengers cover that everybody says that Liefeld just ripped off to do uh, issue 87, which is the Avengers covers by Gil Kane. So he's given them a little like that, like, oh, if you don't like homage covers or whatever your reason is, if it's because I messed this up or whether it's I did an homage cover, here's two ways to, to, to tweak you. Um, so I found that amusing. And then later he edited the post that he wanted to make sure that he didn't lose the cover gig. Uh, I just didn't want to do it after issue two, which I found weird after like tweaking Rob. I'm wondering if Rob like said something behind the scenes. I don't know. Then shortly after that, Rob starts pumping all the other retailer covers uh, that are out there that are going to be for his book. And he's like this fantastic variance by this company and this, and I'm like so happy and I'm promoting this on full tilt and I'm excited that you have the opportunities to get these signed. He uses opportunities way too much in this, which cracks me up. Uh, Please contact (laughs) David Hong for all your snake eyes, dead game, CGC opportunities and remarks and Stephen McDonald for all your snake eyes dead end dead game cbcs opportunities and remarks sadly no pgx uh, opportunities joe but uh this is to me this is absolutely crazy especially in this where rob's going off all weekend on the fact that this is a terrible time for you know for diamond and dc to separate with comic retailers hurting because of the pandemic and everything else and you should support little comic shops and then he goes and he just hurts the sales to this one comic shop's various because there will be a bunch of people who will not buy it because he won't sign it so i don't know how that's helping uh a small retailer or or, or a comic i don't know this whole thing to me just smells of like rob's ego getting free free publicity and him being a jerk. And once again, I've come around on I'm against the Rob right now. I just don't, don't like this power move hurting a company in this time. <sighs> Rob is I'm not defending Rob I'm attempting to explain Rob. If I listen to more of the podcast episodes, I think I'd have a better insight to his psyche, but I don't think that's a road. Any any of us are ready to go down. Mm-hmm. Rob has boxes. He has ticks. He have he has triggers, but no one knows what they are. Mm-hmm. Only Rob knows what they are. Only the Rob knows. Mister the Rob, excuse me, Mister the Rob knows what the, what they are. And there is no hit that trigger and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, uh, mea culpas." Let's uh, backtrack that. It's like once that trigger is switched. It's never switching back again. Mm-hmm. But then that switch goes down, and then maybe switch changes a little bit, becomes something new. But no one knows what that new thing is. 
you, you, Rob has a fan base, a loyal fan base, uh, by his own admission, and I quote, um, that this is the biggest G.I. Joe launch in two decades. Our sales are quadruple what the G.I. Joe book is currently doing. Uh, think major X levels of excitement. Let's remind that. People of that. But this particular trigger to be so... Like, he has such a hang-up on that New Mutants cover. For whatever reason, this is one they should have avoided. Right, but I never even knew that until all of this. And, like, there's a great article on Bleeding Cool, like, of how much Rob swipes, you know, and just steals covers from other people in his early career that I just think there's honestly a part of me that just thinks Rob can't stand when, like, somebody does something that he did and does it better. You know, like that cover to me, that G.I. Joe cover is miles and miles and miles and miles better than the original like New Mutants 87 cover. Like, granted, it's cable and one snake eyes. I get it. But I just think this this Miko artist is a greater uh, artist than Rob ever was or will be. And he can't stand to see somebody do better and get the and get praise for it. It's like, if you're going to do that, I'm going to shut you down. That's my opinion on it. I getcha. We're all entitled to our own opinions. I'm still hoping to get the Rob, Mr. The Rob, excuse me, um, <laughs> on the show as a, a guest one day. Right. Even if we can get that cameo, right? That's right. And uh, I know you'd mentioned um, over on Bleeding Cool, they had a whole thing of a bunch of the other covers that he swiped. Now, I'm not seeing that. Um, I know they had mentioned there was that Avengers 145 by Gil Kane. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that one as a direct rip. I see that one more as an homage. It was like, oh, I like that idea. You know, it's a little bit different, I think. Close enough, I guess. Um, I just think people like to pick on poor Mr. The Rob. Sure, sure. He's the victim in all this on his giant pile of money. I wouldn't say he's the victim, but I definitely say. But go ahead. Sorry. While we may, we here sitting from our ivory tower uh, may know what the things are that trigger and trip the Rob. I, I think the comic book industry should know as well. But let me ask you a question. Do you have that rambling email that I just sent you or sent you in the middle of the night while I was yeah. up? Now, in that link that I send you is all the the ripoff covers that he does, not just the Avengers. There's one where, all right, he does not so much a cover, but his one of his New Mutants covers with the Vulture is just just swiped from an old Spider-Man book. There's a Deadpool cover that's just a swipe of a Guardians of the Galaxy cover. There's an X-Nation and the origin of uh, Badass, where it's just, there's there's all these covers that are just, like, swiped by him of, like, taken... There's a couple that he reuses, and it's like, so you're homaging yourself, homaging somebody else, and then there's a bunch of stuff that you just straight up swipe, but you're going to get mad at somebody else for doing exactly what you did. That's hypocrisy at its highest, and there's nothing I hate more than a hypocrite. 
Anyway, I've gotten too angry over talking about Mr. The Rob. So, I, I see what you're saying in that link um, of the the trope by The Rob of, you know, the person standing with the gun, and then you get the four bubbles of the people that they're going to be targeting, right? Mm-hmm. And sure, I see the the, the, the Vulture thing. Uh, it wasn't a cover, but it's a very famous image of Spider-Man and the Vulture, right? Right, but it's exact. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. but there's, there's, there's two in 30 years. And I'll give you Rob kind of leans on that same trope of the guy with the gun and the four bubbles over and over and over again, but... So does everyone else. It's an iconic image. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when McFarlane did the cover of Spider-Man 1, I know we had this discussion maybe here on the Patreon show uh, about that cover, that I feel that cover is very iconic, but it's a cover in a style and a look that has been aped and parodied or whatever many, many times. And McFarlane himself, uh, when he did that book with Kirkman called Haunt or whatever it was, there was a cover of that. He's done Spawn covers of Spawn in that same exact pose. You know, I think maybe if you were inspired by something and it becomes the thing that you make from that inspiration becomes bigger, I feel as though this is Rob attempting to protect. Like, if that variant, that G.I. Joe variant in the homage of his style from New Mutants 87 was not on a book that he was doing, I don't think the Rob would care as much. Mr. The Rob, excuse me. I, I don't know. I I will not make excuses for this one. That's okay. that's just my take on it. I just I think he's in a he's in the wrong place on this one. If he's I don't know, just this seems a temper tantrum. This is the wrong hill. You know what I mean? I don't know. But it's a it's a hill that the Rob, Mr. The Rob will die on many, many times and still get right back up and dust himself off and fight it again, you know? Sure, sure. So while he hurts someone who gave money to his whole thing and get a cover and do all this and he's going to curtail sales to that one group and and literally with, you know, and and be uh petty and push all the other books, like literally push all the other books. Because of it, just I to me that's that's petty and beyond belief. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm saying, you're you're hurting someone's bottom line who is not as well off as you. But it's hey, that's okay. You know what I mean? That's just great. You know, in a world where a lot of this stuff is you know make or break right now. That this is the time to do that, Rob. I don't know. I guess I just feel super strongly about this. I don't feel, you know what I mean? Like I said, I, I, I feel strongly it's the Rob being the Rob, you know, the, this segment wouldn't exist if Mr. The Rob wasn't this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know, and it's terrible to say that's one bridge that the Mr. The Rob has burned, but I'm sure there'll be three more people that'll be like, we'll work with you, Mr. The Rob, you know, we'll kind of kowtow to you and kind of let you do whatever it is that you do. Now, I, I will walk well, no. all this back if between today and the next recording, uh, the Rob releases a 17-part podcast explaining all of this and his side sure. of it. 
And then I come back and I say, yeah, listen to his own words. He's crazy. I take back everything I said. Sure, sure. You know what? I would wonder if you would feel different if this was an owner of a wrestling company and was doing this to like a little dinky personal wrestler that you kind of liked or knew that it would be completely different. It would be, you would be in the pocket of how dare this company, this person do that to them. But this is something completely different. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And I made it a little I, too I personal. Do, I do know what you're trying to say, but I have no attachment to the uh, artist in question. No mm-hmm. knock on him. His art looked really nice. I like that cover that he did. Uh, and the cover is still happening. He's only doing the two covers, though, right? He's doing two covers, apparently, per issue. Like, the first one and two. He's doing one issue. First issue, two covers. Second issue, two covers. And he was supposed... However long the miniseries was, he was supposed to do all the issues. I believe Rob had him bounced because, like, saying... Basically, doing this is making him lose lose a job because he's not going to finish the book because... Uh, big collectibles isn't going to make any extra money because Rob won't sign it. He, he now Miko says he left of his own accord. I do not believe that. Okay, now again, I don't know this. You know, uh, Miko Suyon before today's conversation, mm-hmm. and I know the Rob's track record in history. I will say, I like the black and white version with a little bit of red of Miko's issue one. Right, I would buy that. I didn't know that cover existed without this happening. Mm-hmm. Maybe this does a big run on now. Yes, the Rob, Mister the Rob, won't sign these, but maybe this people like you were like, I'm going to stick it to, to Mister the Rob, so I'm going to go out of my way and buy this variant cover to help this guy out that the Rob has given the shaft to. Right, and maybe this helps elevate Miko's profile. As the guy who kind of dealt with the Rob in this way. Mr. The Rob, excuse me. True, true. Only respect for Mr. The Rob. Right. And then, so every time some wrestling promotion craps on a wrestler, it should be good because it gets you attention. Um, Because it's a positive thing. There's more to it. There's, there's, see, that's the thing. That's a, my, that's a very blanket statement. And the blanket statement that you're making is, that's bad. But is it good if the person who's being crapped on can turn it into something positive for themselves? I'd say four out of five times they can, you know, unless you're a complete dunderhead and, you know, some promotion, no matter how big or how small, craps on you. And you can't somehow turn that into some sort of positive spin or make that work to your benefit, then I don't know, maybe you shouldn't be in the wrestling business. Okay. But again, blanket statement, you know, obviously these are apples and oranges. Um, I, I hope this does do well uh, for uh, Miko Soyan. And, you know, we know that this is major X levels of excitement <laughs> for the book itself. I know I'm excited, Todd. I'm glad you're excited. So another thing that I'm excited about, Todd, is that conventions are slowly but surely coming back. Ooh. Now, there's nothing this weekend. Everything this weekend has been canceled. Next weekend, though, Todd, Tampa Hero Hype is still on. 
<laughs> still says on their website June 20th. And that's Florida, though. Anything oh, wow. goes in Florida. And it's a lawless nation, from what I hear. <laughs> now, next week, the New Orleans Comic Con is allegedly still on as well. It says June 27th and 28th. As is my understanding, there might be some big storms currently down there now, on top of everything else. There's still time for those to cancel. But those are the next two on the schedule that look to be happening. Mm -hmm. I think once those two happen and come off without a hitch, I don't think Youngstown is happening in two weeks. Let's see about that. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting side up. Yeah, Youngstown is definitely not happening. They're like, yeah, we'll be back in 2011. Sorry, 2020, you're dead to us. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm not using the international ones, obviously, because it's difficult to say what's going on in right. Cape Town, South Africa, and Germany, and so forth. Uh, but Tampa next week, and uh, New Orleans the week after that. We'll see if those still happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, digital books and sales. Um, I try my best to get the stuff in to the links. If you're so inclined to get some cheap digital comic books, being that the print new books are back officially. Uh, but Marvel is having a sale on House of M related stuff, as well as Jonathan Hickman written stuff. If either one of those are your bags, baby. Uh, DC is mixed things up. They're not doing a generic sale with, you know, the same books over and over again, just kind of maybe switched here to there. Uh, this is a themed Joker sale, I'm sure, because uh, the Joker's daughter's girlfriend's former roommate <laughs> is making her debut this week. Twice removed. I will say this. Uh, of course, uh, Dark Knight Returns is in this sale. Uh, absolve yourself of checking that out. And every time that there's a Joker sale, which happens quite often... They always collect that Emperor Joker storyline uh, that went through Superman, a very underrated, much underlooked Joker story that uh, is one of my favorites of recent memory. Never read that. I always mean to get around to that. What a sale. Who knows? Yep. All the freebie stuff is still the same, and uh, those Scooby-Doo team-ups are still uh, in there for free as well. I don't think anyone has pulled back any of the free stuff that they've offered, Marvel, Dark Horse, Dynamite, or other. Uh, but it does not hurt to double-check just to make sure that those things have not been gone. And as I spoke, um, it looks like maybe the Marvel one has gone. So I'll have to update some links. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Let's get into... Catwoman 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular number one that's right and this is a uh, Catwoman special that spans the generations of the characters um, from writers like Paul Dini and Nascenti Tom King, Jeff Parker Liam Sharp uh, Chuck Dixon artists such as Pia Guerrera, uh, Ram V, uh, Mikkel Janine, uh, Cameron Stewart, just, you know, a, a creators all over this book. It's about 10 stories. Um, and a lot of the writers are back to write the, uh, era of the character that they have done. 
Um, so like we get stuff like, uh, Paul Dini kind of feels a little bit, even though it's not in costume, like the Catwoman from the animated series. Uh, there's, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that Tom King is doing another story it, uh, that runs the timeline of Catwoman in his run of, uh, Batman. Uh, there, there's a lot of good stories in this. I, I wouldn't say they were all truly great. There was a few that let me down. Um, my favorites basically were the Paul Dini story, the Tom King story. Um, there was a Chuck Dixon story that was really good. And then finally, once again, especially after doing, uh, what we did with the Ed Brubaker run, uh, was the, my favorite was the art of picking a lock by Ed Brubaker and Cameron Stewart, which brings back the one true love of Catwoman and will always be Slam Bradley. So, uh, like I said, I enjoyed this. There was a lot of great pinups with with artists. Uh, some of this, the continuity in the stories, because I didn't read every era of Catwoman, I was a little confused on. But uh, I thought there was a- enough good stories in this to to make me satisfied with purchasing it. Sure. Now, I will say, uh, like this, uh, didn't like having to pay 10 bucks for it, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it felt good uh, seeing the Ed Brubaker, Cameron Stewart stuff, but there were certain ones that felt lighter than others, and that was definitely one that felt light. Right. Especially with, you know, with our discussion over the last month or so when we were reading through the Ed Brubaker run on Catwoman of how you know, heavy that book would get at times. Um, It felt good to see those familiar faces back in this setting, this capacity. But again, it was a little light, you know? Uh, The one thing that you could say about this book, you had, you mentioned a lot of the creators and stuff, the writers, but you had a murderer's row of like beautiful art in this book. Mm -hmm. Just remarkable. And everyone doing their best trying to capture whatever era or otherwise of Catwoman that they were looking at. The the Catwoman of Earth one by Jeff Parker that was more akin to the 60s TV show I thought was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously a little bit more far-fetched than an episode of the TV show, but you could do that in a comic book. Um, I would say my favorite, you know, I, I think the the best was the Tom King, Mikel Janine one, because that feels closest to the current continuity of the book. Right. And who knows? Right. And that'll probably tie into the bat and the cat when it comes out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm with you, but I just wanted to comment one thing on the, the Ed Brubaker story is I get you. It felt light. It felt all this. The reason, the reason I liked it the best was because I'm fresh off that Brubaker run which fills me like, so this fills me with all that nostalgia from, Oh, three weeks ago. Um, so I'm fine with that, but I'll tell you why that story feels so light is because Brubaker was, I'm not giving away a criminal story for free. He's like, (laughs) you I'll come back. I'll come back and I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you something and I'll even make it worth it because it'll be Catwoman and slam Bradley in in a scene together, which you'll like. And, and, you know, you'll have a side, you'll have Holly there and it'll all be great. 
But if you think I'm going to give you a truly great detective story that I can add in the back of a criminal hardcover as an extra to get people to purchase that after they've purchased individual issues, or I'm going to use it for a little story that I need to fill pages in a criminal actual comic, you're out of your mind, DC. I'm done with that. These are all my stories, and I'm going to profit profit off them. And I honestly believe that's why that story feels light. Again, not bad, light. And you make a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my favorite was probably Conventional Wisdom by Will Pfeiffer mm-hmm. and uh, Pia Guerrera, just because they kind of played a little loose with, like, the fourth wall and uh, who the villain was in the story. Um, and they were referring to something that happened earlier, and I don't think it happened earlier in the book. Correct me what? if I'm wrong. Because I don't want to spoil who the villain was, because I thought it was a cool reveal. Right. I, you um, have me confused because you're so vague, but okay. Okay, so um, so uh, Selena shows up, and it's as though she, Selena Catwoman, is going to be appearing at a comic book convention because their adventures in the comic books are real. Right. And she's on a panel with Bruce Wayne, who everyone knows is Batman, Joker's also on the panel. They're all in the signing booths. And it looked and felt like an authentic convention, like, setup. Right. Like those blue and white curtains and, you know, your name written on the, the, the piece of paper on the back. You know, it, it felt real. Right, the banners. The ba- oh, yeah, technically the banners. They have all the, the table. The, the guy who's helping out has sanitizer and extra Sharpies. They're all ready to go, Joe. Yep. And I just thought that was fun to throw Selena here who knows something is wrong and all these other people are there and she keeps seeing flashes that are bringing her back to why this is wrong. And I just thought that, and like who the villain was, like I said, not a typical Batman Catwoman villain. Um, But I I thought it was very fun how they did that. Check that story out if you can. I don't know if they sell these things like individually because they should. They should. Um, And the other thing is, not so much in this story, but maybe in some of the other stories, I still can't get used to uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne having a sense of humor. Unless it's uh, surrounded by the Giffen Dematis era Justice League. I don't like, uh, I don't like the idea of Batman having jokes. Which, Which story did he have the jokes in? He made like a couple smarmy remarks, kind of like sly little witticisms, definitely in the Tom King story um, about the bat bucket. Right. But that's also, I, I get what you're saying in that, but that's in a future where Selena's pregnant and they're Spoilers. together. Well, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Right. There, there, you know, that's in the, that's, that's this future, which I think was also, at, I don't know whether it was a different earth or whatever, because they played fast and loose with the future on that. Um, but I like the fact that that's, that's Batman after like that whole Tom King run where they're like, you can't be, he can't be Batman if he's happy and being with Catwoman and being a going to be a future father has changed changed them. That's that's why I completely let this slide. Um, if it was any other Batman, no, except for maybe like the jokey, you know, Batman TV show and the the weird story that you were talking about by Will Pfeiffer. Um, but I have no problem with that in in the Tom King story. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, I still get worried when I hear and read Batman making jokes. No, I'm with you, but this is a, this is a slightly different situation. Yeah, I guess. So uh, that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com at some indeterminable time, <laughs> I think it'll be earlier more times than not going forward. Uh, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them mailed to your house, or if you're actually allowed to leave your home and venture out to a brick-and-mortar store and interact with people and get comic books. I know typically the two don't go go hand-in-hand, but let's change that, ladies and gentlemen. Go to your... Go to your local retailer if you can. Boss down the door. If they have the ple- the plexiglass up like a Turkish, pr- Turkish prison, knock it down and give your retailer a firm handshake, a <laughs> hug. Give them a deep soul kiss. Let them oh. know you're happy that they're back. Right. Or you could just buy some comics. I think they'll be just as happy. I don't know. Maybe a little from column A, a little from column B. So, uh, as Todd and I do, now that comics are back, we attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I did have to correct the numbers. It is still two apart, uh, but it was 13 correct guesses to 15 correct guesses. Uh, I did just have to fix that little in there. Uh, so, Todd, you started the show. I'm what I looking... looking... Uh, what? What am I looking forward to coming out this week? Um, I'm looking at your list. Is the book you're looking forward to most Batman 92? It is Batman number 92. The Yay. debut of Punch and Judy. Punch, yeah, uh, that's uh, right. Uh, punch in line. Uh, throw your body in time. Senorita. Right. What is it? I think it's Harley Quinn done right as well. Oh, it it's Harley Quinn done right in Countdown. Um, we joke, but uh, I really like this run that's going on in the book. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the hype about the Joker's girlfriend, but I think that's also the book you're looking forward to coming out this week as well. It is with a, a close second being that Batman secret files. Cause I guess it's the origins of a lot of the assassins that have been in this Tinian run that like, especially the new characters. So that should be fun. Oh, a secret hot book on the secondary market. Mm. Get those eBay searches going now. Set your alerts. You, maybe you can get a CGC opportunity, Joe. Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's what we'll be talking about next week. Um, I don't know. Maybe I need to read up on some other stuff. But we'll see. We'll, we'll have stuff to discuss on the show next week. And I think from here on out. This week was an anomaly. This week that passed where I didn't have any books. Uh, just because we, Todd and I, and the retailers and the publishers are all still trying to catch their footing with stuff, and I think everything is going to be smooth sailing, Ashley Remington, from here on out. Till we get that one skip week in the end of June. Uh, I think we're going to be okay with this, the DC skip week, because I think everybody else has stuff. Okay. And by everyone else, I think Marvel might have one or two books. Okay. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. You could also check out our store where you could purchase shirts or pins or stickers 
with our fancy logo on him. Be on the ground floor when Todd and I are the grand marshals of <laughs> the Honolulu comic book convention. Oh. And that logo is on a lanyard that hundreds and thousands of people have. You could say, I have one of the OG originals that has been sitting in a closet for a couple of years. Uh, if you want even more shirts or other items with that logo, other logos inspired by not only this show, but also by At Odds With Wrestling, you can go over to our Tee Public store and purchase to your heart's content there. Uh, I know they are having a sale in two weeks, 35% off everything. So maybe wait till then. I'll remind everyone when that gets a little bit closer. Uh, I would be remiss not to mention here, of course, I didn't do so earlier. But the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com. The aforementioned shows, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds With Wrestling. Uh, we also have Wednesday Night War, where they do bonus episodes whenever there's like a NXT or AEW special. Uh, profane Arguments, and boy howdy, have they had a lot to talk about lately. Puzzle Warriors 3, boy howdy, have they had a lot to talk about recently. Uh, Final Wrestling Place. Um, my friends Marcus and Tim, um, if you're not really a wrestling guy, but you're kind of keyed in, cued in, whatever, to everything that's been going on publicly um, in the world in the United States, maybe in your backyard. Um, I don't know, listen to like the first like 15, 20 minutes uh, of their show this week. Uh, they kind of get into it and how that affects them directly, you know? Mm -hmm. um, also, Todd, I'm as shocked as you are. This week saw the return of the Prime Defective. Wait, what? That's what I said. <sighs> The Prime Defective, uh, Jared and Brian, a.k.a. Edsel, a.k.a. Studebaker, decided to dust off the old chestnut of their Star Trek review show, proudly the worst-reviewed Star Trek podcast on all of <laughs> iTunes. And they're on a semi-regular schedule as they are flip-flopping back and forth between episodes of uh, Deep Space Nine... Uh, Next Generation and Voyager. Oof. So do with that information what you will. I'm I'm speechless, Joe. <laughs> uh, I was speechless as well. Uh, Jared tweeted out from the Prime Defective account about a month and a half ago. I sent him a text saying, I think your account got hacked. I was thinking the same thing as soon as you said I was like, was he hacked? <laughs> and he claims, no, they weren't hacked. <sighs> Should have got the codes off him while you were, the nuclear codes while you were talking to him. Uh, but like I said, if you're a Star Trek person, that is back up. That is back. So enjoy that podcast as well. Um, you could also sign up for our Patreon, where for as little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows from Todd and I. One where we discuss uh, 30 years ago to the month of previews of kind of what the comic book industry looked like. We had a bit of a bump up and then kind of things cooled off because that's how it goes. It's two months in advance and I feel things are going to start picking up here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, good. I'm. I'm still. I still think Dick Tracy is going to be the Smash movie of the summer, 1990. Mm, you keep holding on to that. Everybody needs a dream. That's right. 
And then the other show is uh, Babbling Brooks, where we discuss the ovure of film and comedy legend Mel Brooks. Uh, $5 a month, you're going to get those shows uh, two weeks before everyone else. And you're also going to get After Dark, uh, like three days before everyone else. So, uh, you know, maybe if you're heading back to work and you need some extra podcasts to listen to, you know, you sign up today at the dollar, the $5 level, you got six months worth of those shows sitting there waiting for you, you know? That's right. We built up some some fodder for you to, to go through. Yep. And, of course, our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. Uh, any sort of purchases that you can make through Amazon, uh, just take that extra step. Maybe bookmark our site or, you know, go to your family computers. You know, your mom's always buying stuff on Amazon and she don't know nothing from nothing. You could just change her little link from Amazon to our little link from Amazon. That's one that's one opportunity that you could help us with. But I will say this, I do thank week in and week out all of our listeners because you guys have really been coming through uh with your purchases over these last several weeks in these troubling times, comma, <laughs> Todd. Some of the notable purchases that we had this week were uh somebody purchased uh Dear Justice League paperback, which is kind of like a kid's story. Uh, looks very fun. Some kids write letters to the Justice League for assistance. And uh, the little golden book of Just a Bad Day. Uh, if you saw the cover, it's like this little like uh, furry monster looking thing. You'd mm-hmm. know it to see it, is all I'm saying. Uh, somebody also went wild on the food, and I always love seeing this. Uh, somebody purchased D- Blue Diamond Almond Cracker Crisps. I guess it's good that you're eating healthy. Um, old old El Paso enchilada sauce, uh, a company whose name is Food Should Taste Good, and I agree. <laughs> I agree with that company's mission statement. I wonder if it tastes good, Dojo. I wonder. It, it should. It says right there in the title. Uh, somebody also purchased Nor brand rice sides chicken flavored, uh, amongst many other food items, and we do thank you for those. Uh, somebody also purchased two Kindle books in the Star Wars universe, one entitled Dark Disciple, the other one entitled The Perfect Weapon. Low my surprise, Todd, when I did not see it was the 90s action film starring Jeff Speakman, but a Star Wars movie, <laughs> or a Star okay. Wars book, rather. My apologies. Fair enough. So thanks, everyone, for all the purchases through the Amazon click-through. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. From Rebecca's art, uh, save the worst for last. I, pronouns pal, was drug into doing a penguin too. Mine is a cowboy though. So I'm guessing it's Rebecca's boyfriend, husband. I'm not sure because there's so many people doing art on this account that, it, but it's fantastic. And I love the little, uh, the little penguin who's a cowboy. He's got very soulful eyes. So don't knock yourself. I, I'll, I, I really like that penguin. Also, and he's wearing uh, a bandana, not because he's a cowboy, but because he's uh, practicing good social distancing. Right. Plus, he's a sloppy eater, probably. So it's like a little penguin bib. <laughs> but also, uh, the man, Adam Van, your famous co-host on your little wrestling podcast, wrote, uh, uh, you know who. Uh, hey, Todd's Art Attack. I just picked up while you were across the table with an assist from Matt Mang, the Sean Murphy prelim page from The Curse of the White Knight. It features the greatest version of Batman, 
Azrael, that's got to be a typo. It's not the 2050 version of Batman from the Hex uh, comic book. I also included the final version for comparison. So uh, if you want to hear the story of what all that means, that's told on After Dark this week. But uh, that's a really great prelim piece uh, that he got, and he got it at a sweet, sweet price. So I'm glad for him. I just wish he liked a better Batman. That is true. Also, I put in a uh, art attack, uh, which is a Winona Ryder as Death from Sandman by my friend Annie the Kitty, also known as Becky, that was recently given to me as a gift because I always said she would have been the perfect pick to play Death back in the day. She also sent me the pick she used for reference. Um, Also, if you're interested in getting something off of her, uh, go to Annie the Kitty Twitter, which will have a link to her Instagram where she takes commissions if you enjoy the piece that she did, which I do like. I think she captured an interesting Death slash Winona Ryder, my first future ex-wife. She needs to... Fix the link uh, oh. in her. It's just um, the link that she has in her Twitter, um, like in her Twitter profile, takes you to a specific piece of art as opposed to her main page. If that makes any sense. Fair enough. I'll get. I'll get on that. Yeah, but I'm glad that she has all of her coll- her art collected there, just so you can kind of see an idea of what she's done, mm-hmm. and kind of how how her art has grown, and uh, I think she does great work. And yep. uh, also, she's uh, she's got a bunch of pictures of her cat in there. Um, yes. You know, cat pictures and art, I guess. These are things that you could do on the uh, internet, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I... No, I don't want to block that user. Come on. <laughs> I don't need suggestions. I hate Instagram. I mean, it's the best. Um, yeah, so I'll make sure to actually include a link to her stuff in our show notes as well. Hmm. <laughs> So I guess before we get into TV talk, is there anything else? No, I think we've covered the, you know, the gamut. So it's TV talk time. All right. So thanks for listening, uh, everyone. This was episode 506. We're going to get into discussion of Stargirl and Legends of Tomorrow. Didn't watch. Don't care. See you next week. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'll just take like a second here to open up those links here. So I could pull up the imnibus for them. <laughs> so we always start with Stargirl because you have to finish strong with Legends of Tomorrow. And it was the season finale as well, after all. Uh, so the Stargirl episode is more or less the origin of the new Wildcat with some of Courtney sprinkled in there. And, uh, you know, I guess Luke Wilson as played by... Our channeling is inner David Arquette. I <laughs> uh, guess to do like the the C story, right? Um, so you know, I guess this is your teen drama stuff, your high school drama stuff. Why the new Wildcat Yolanda is set up as a introvert? Why she is shunned and harassed by people at the school? Now, is this the first time that we heard her name as Yolanda Montez? I believe so. Right. Because I think if we heard her name as Yolanda Montez beforehand, I think it would have tipped me off of who that would be if I didn't already know 
who was going to be from that teaser <laughs> image that went out of like, oh, this person that Courtney runs into at school is going to be the new Hour Man. And like she, so at the end of the last episode, Courtney stole all those costumes from the JSA headquarters. And now she's kind of reaching out to some of the other folks at school that maybe have some sort of tie uh, to Henry, uh, son of Brainwave. Mastermind, Brainwave, Brainwave, Brainwave uh, who is laid up in the hospital from her battle earlier uh, with Courtney, of course. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, the teen drama stuff, you know, I need, I know it needs to be in here. Um, I did like the part at the end where Yolanda kind of stands up to her family and they're still like, no, you're still a disgrace. Nice right, speech, f- but go to your room. Right. The supposed feel good moment where everything yep. works itself out and they're like, nope. And you're just like all your whole family, except for the brother, you're all dirtbags. You're you like, you're all dirtbags. You should be supporting your daughter. I was like, I was actually, I didn't think it was going to be like hugs and kisses but I was actually like, wow, like, like legitimate, just slap down. Um, so I, I did think that was, that was interesting. And we find out is because she sent, you know, uh, naked pictures of herself to her boyfriend, which I think is a red herring that he sent them to that other girl. I think we're going to find out that she did it without his knowledge. I think that's a whole red herring. Um, that he's not as bad as, as, as everybody makes him out to be. He looks legitimately sad. And there's a moment when she sees the pictures on his phone. I think she like forwarded them to herself, if you know what I mean, or something like that. And then she sends them out. I don't think he had any hand in, in doing what he did. I don't there's know. There's more just... than meets the eye when yes. it comes to Cindy. Like, um, he, the boyfriend, uh, Henry Jr. should have spoke up for himself. And that's where his problem comes in. Right. But I think because he's browbeat from the father, you know what I mean? Yes. That's like his problem. So I'm, inter- I'm generally interested in seeing where that goes. Um, but like with that Yolanda storyline becoming the uh, wildcat, I did like if you're going to do, you know, figure out your powers, you immediately look up the comic book character on Wikipedia and figured out their abilities. And hey, you know, what do you know? All the abilities were exactly right. So once again, Wikipedia for the win. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, um. I like the episode. Obviously, there's a mystery going on that uh, Luke Wilson has to figure out. And this episode brought to you by Pop-Tarts. Mm-hmm. Last week we're, was Cheetos. That's right. We're not going to show the box, the logo, but we're going to say Pop-Tarts a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was a promotionally paid sponsorship, or do you think it was to set up the shot later where Yolanda shreds the toaster? Um, I think it was a little of both, and we're gonna see Stargirl Pop Tarts. Ooh, actual, I like that. With actual like star sprinkles on them, those crunchy star sprinkles, and you win the you win the world with that. Stargirl Pop Tarts. And the other thing I want to mention is uh that pen. Oh, every time it giggles. Every time it giggles. And then the brother is like, oh, is it okay if my friend Jakeem comes over today? And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, Jakeem? That sounds familiar. 
Sounds very familiar. Don't go snooping around in Courtney's room that you need something to write down with. <laughs> and by all I... means, don't say so cool. <laughs> what? This is so cool, Joe. <laughs> um, but uh, I, 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 lo- I loved all that, and I want, I want all the. I want all the props from the show. I want the hourglass necklace. I want like the la- like I said. I have the lantern. They should do a flash helmet. I wonder if they'll get around to doing some flash stuff at all. But all that cool stuff I want because uh, I think it's fantastic. And there's a there's a niche market for DC direct direct to do a ton of stuff and just suck my wallet dry. <laughs> so. And we'll I'll s- just say this: I know our buddy DJ kind of tried this show out, and he said he didn't dig it that much. Until the whole thing with the JSA reveal at the end of episode three. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ of Wednesday Night War podcast. Uh, I will say this. Even if this show stunk. The scene where Icicle is down in the Injustice Society headquarters. And he's talking to the Dragon King. And they're looking at the painting that's on the wall. And he's like, I won't betray you. Betray you like the Shade did. And I'm like, oh, you just said the Shade. I'm yep. in for the whole season. Not that I wasn't already. But like the shade Todd and then you know what Joe it was funny because in the portrait he was actually in the background in the shadows which was I was like crying just seeing those glasses in the top hat I was like oh my god that's absolutely fantastic and the one thing that I actually thoroughly enjoyed because there was a lot of goofiness and a lot of fun was had in this episode um with the young with the young like you said the teenage stuff but when Luke Wilson was talking to uh, the wizard's uh, wife and the, the and the and the wizard's son's mother and all that stuff, and she comes to get the car fixed and she tells him like, "Get out of town! I'm getting out of town. Don't trust anybody." And he like looks in the car, sees the cat and everything, and he's going for the parts. I never saw all that setting up for the end until like it kind of started to roll into it where I was like, "All right," and she's like, "He's gonna see something," and then the cat comes out, and I'm like, "The wrecked car," and I'm like. The wrecked car. And to me, that wrecked car had a run-in with Solomon Grundy. That's the way that car got wrecked. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going to, you know, hit it with another car. They let Grundy out, and Grundy got a hold of her. So I'm hoping we, like, see a flashback of totally legit CGI Grundy beating up that car. There was a little suspect, not much, but the scene where... Uh, Stargirl and Wildcat are crawling down the wall from the uh, the hospital. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of janky uh, uh, special effects there. That's all. But, right, but I did like when they had Wildcat climbing up, and she was just basically doing the Batman, uh, you know, crawling on the ground so they can get the shot like it looks like she's crawling up the wall. Was, to me, that was a little homage. I was waiting for, like, Sammy Davis Jr. to open up a hospital window. <laughs> but the Candyman, alas, was not there. Now there's going to be all rights issues and getting the show released on DVD or whatever digital c- streaming services. Anyway. Exactly. Now, now they know about that stuff so they can write it into the contracts. Yep. So I feel we got 13 episodes. This is episode four. The next two episodes, at least, is going to be your team-building stuff. Right. There's going to be little things that happen in the background, but this is how the team, her crew, the new, uh, not JSA, what was it? The Infinity Inc. 
Huh? Infin- Infinity Inc., Joe. Infin- I was going to say All-Star Squadron, but yes, Infinity Inc. This is how it's going to all come to pass. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, I don't know, there's a TV show where, like, Infinity Inc. is just, like, people say it. And, like, here are these characters, and, you know, we know, like, you know, not a lot of people know who they are. But I know who they are. That's really cool. I agree. Last but not least, Todd, of course, is the season finale of DC's Legend of Tomorrow. Another one with the episode title. Yeah, after you see the episode, you know exactly what it means. Because this week's episode was entitled Swan Thong. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm going to let you take point on this one. So basically, after the events of last episode, the legends have been let out of, like, the, the fates were in control. And they were on TV basically controlling... Uh, using them as propaganda. So now they're out and they've decided to stop the fates and destroy the loom. And along the way, they have to figure out, uh, they end up destroying the loom, but then they get jumped into the future through the wave rider, which was in a big garbage pile, but Gideon is gone in it for some reason, which we'll get to later. So they jump forward in time and they realize that, the fates are still the well the one fate that's left is still controlling everything through technology and they have to figure out how and stop them and so they decide to go through the history museum to figure it out and they have these weird sections and one of them is the worst people in the world and the worst ideas and in there they have like the pogo stick and the floby and uh cisco's the thong song and uh they have animatronic cisco and his backup dancers which you know in no way was you know ever going to come to life throughout the episode um and they find out that they are using gideon uh ai to control people through like their smart watches and you ask the smart watch what it is and once again free will has been you know curtailed and in the end the Legends end up beating them using all the terrible ideas while they listen to the thong song being played. And in the end, they save everything. Everything goes back to normal. And uh, White Canary gets abducted by aliens, apparently. It's a all-around good episode, Joe. Uh, I like the episode okay. Right. I like last week's episode better. Okay. There were good points in this episode. Um, obviously, when they were in the museum... And Cisco is there. I'm like, okay, I know the thong song is going to come back into play. Mm-hmm. And it was very much a dirty work scene where you've seen the movie, Dirt, the, the Norm MacDonald classic film, Dirty Work. I've seen bits and pieces of it. There's a scene with a big bar fight happening. And mm-hmm. Chris Farley's character is, all right, there's going to be a fight. Time for some music. Street Fighting Man by Rolling Stones, G7. And the guy's like, you idiot, you just hit G8. What song is that? And it was the Pina Colada song. So it's this big bar brawl with like people breaking <laughs> chairs and pool cues over each other while the Pina Colada song plays. Mm-hmm. And the song, song playing over the fight here was very reminiscent of that scene. I'd like to think that the people who make uh, Legend of Tomorrow are also big Norm MacDonald fans, especially... Uh, his movie from 23 years ago that was a critical <laughs> at box office failure. Um, right. But loved by me nonetheless. 
Right. But like Dick, Dick Tracy, only time will tell. Oh, right. The, the jury is still out. Um, anything can happen uh, <laughs> regarding that movie having a resurgence. Right. Uh, I liked the poor wig and hair work. Uh, Nate as Stalin, that mustache was was a high bar of embarrassment, <laughs> even on Legends of Tomorrow. Right. It was more spirit gum than mustache. <laughs> um, the fight was cool. Uh, I liked how they interwove everything back into the fates. Um, I liked how um, Charlie was the one who was attempting to save the legends. And they were the ones convincing her that she's part of their team, that she needs to be with them. And then it was Mick's daughter, who was the one, Lita, who was the one that convinced her to be part of the team. Right. That gives me hope that we will be seeing more of Lita as a character going forward in the next season. I believe so, too, especially with Charlie leaving. Yes. And that's another thing, of course, and this is terrible to say, but the whole stuff with Barad and the two Zaris, all of that stuff just made me miss Brandon Routh as Ray more. Especially when Marie Antoinette showed up. Yes. Because I was like, that's very weird without Brandon's character there. Seeing that actress, even though I know she's playing Marie Antoinette. And I was like, did she have like one episode left on her contract? So they had to use, like, I don't know. It just seemed weird, especially after the way they left with the feud, with the, like, the showrunners and everything, that she would come back for that final episode. It's just, I don't know. Just something's not right there. Yes. It was good. I liked it. It's like right. tomorrow. It's exactly what I wanted, but the, the season finale just felt a little flat. I think clean slate, new characters in instead of being replaced like two-thirds of the way through the season. Um, Sad to see it go for the season, you know, but I'm glad they were able to tell the story they wanted uh, with the 13 episodes they had. Right. Like you said, at least they got to end it before the the pandemic shut down, you know, right. recording. My thing is, I, the last two things is I do want the song that the punk band, Charlie's punk band, The Smell, played at the end. Because I thought that was really fun. And who do you think abducted uh, Sarah? Hmm. I'm hoping it's, it's Vril Dox and the Legion. That's my, like, that seems right up Legends Alley for this. Well, I know a couple episodes ago, there was a bunch of talk of Rip Hunter. Right. Maybe that's a, a different Wave Rider time ship that has been operating this whole time outside of what the Legends are doing. It could be. I just feel like now we're going to get the... cause, like, like, we could get the cosmic stuff, uh, the interplanetary stuff of uh the dc universe and i would love them to bring the guy back who played lobo and krypton that's my dream like you brought back constantine it's time to bring back lobo give me that and i'll you know i'll sign up for another season even though i'm already signed up mm, i like that folding krypton into this Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like the way you think todd i am a thinker joe it's 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 way better than your John Amos John Stamos uh, idea. 
Well, some are good, some are bad. Mm-hmm. But I do things the only way I know how, the John Stamos way. Wasn't there an episode title of that like a long time ago? Yes, it was from an episode when he was on, uh, what was the, the, the show? The, ER. He was on ER for a couple episodes and literally the commercial was, and I remember seeing it at our retail house. I was watching the commercial and they're just like, and John Stamos is going to be on ER and he does things the only way he knows how. And this was a legit commercial. And the tagline was the John Stamos way. And I'm like, are they serious? Oh, wait, this is, this is a serious commercial. This is fascinating. And I will use that in my repertoire till the day I die. No, I meant, well, yes, thank you for the explanation, but I meant an episode of this dopey show. Yes, and, and uh, that's, I told that story once again. I just like telling the story, and it became the title of the episode, or maybe one of the lesser, better uh, quality shows back in the day, if you know what I mean. No, it was uh, episode 69 of this show. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's a no better way to end this episode <laughs> with that. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 506 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying, thanks for listening. I need a better way after 506 episodes to close out the show. Let's see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.